0: Log Talk Radio. Jean Luc, Jordy Specs, Mysteries on the Holodex. Asteroids, Triple Joys, Telepathic Beta Zoids, Transporter Deadly Claw, Visitor from LA Law, Photons, No Kirk, Captain Has Gone Berserk, Shuttlecraft, Counsel Troy, Dr. Crusher's Little Boy, Klingon right, Parasites, New Heights, Phaser Fights, Data's Head. Is dead, the Quikers hanging by a thread. Celebration, transformations, everyone to battle station. We didn't start series. The it's the next generation on your favorite station. We didn't start the series. But when we are gone, it'll feel beyond. We didn't start the series. It's the next generation on your favorite station. We didn't start the series.
1: Well, good evening, Trekkies and Trekkers around the globe. My name is Uncle Jim, your most excellent host. Welcome to another episode of Trek Talking and Beyond. We have a great show planned for you guys tonight. But before we get into that, I want to introduce my Trek-spurts. And let's start off with Charles. Charles is out in Las Vegas tonight. How you doing, Charles?
2: I'm doing good. We're almost the fall, and I think the triples are just about
3: done.
1: Well, oh, that's good. That's good to hear. We're we're dipping into the seventies yeah. during the day and thirties at night, and Leslie's getting frost warnings up in Saranac Lake. So, yeah, yeah, winter's around. Winter is coming, in the words of Game of Thrones. And uh, we also have with us Charles or Eric. Eric is out in Portland. How you doing, Eric?
4: Uh, we're doing a little better every single day. We've got uh, best air quality we've had in a week here, and. Once again, my heart goes out to all the people affected by all the fires out here on the West Coast. It's a big deal, and uh, I'm lucky that all I'm dealing with is a little bit of smoke here and there, but happy to be here, and uh, just giving a shout-out to those folks, so let's talk Trek. Yeah,
5: we got a
1: great show for you guys tonight, of course. We're going to talk about Star Trek Lower Decks, Episode 7. Much ado about Boimler, so you guys want to hang on for that. We usually do that in our final segment, so we got a little to go, but have your questions ready our number here is 646-668-2433 same number it's been for years and years and years give us a call and uh, share your sites we'd love to know what you think about it also hey i'm still holding on to star trek tos season three blu-ray and i've been dying it to give it to someone i don't want it anymore i want to give it away i want to give it to you but not for free You need to call up 646-668-2433 and simply sing our theme song to us. In fact, I'll make it even easier. You don't even have to sing it. Just recite it. And if you do that, I'll drop this in the mail and send it to you. It's the complete Season 3 of TOS on Blu-ray, and I want to give it to you. Call 646-668-2433. And have our theme song ready, and I will drop it in the mail and get it right off to you. Something you can watch while you're... Well, I don't know. Is, are people still confined? That's pretty much over now, isn't it? The quarantine, but...
2: Somewhat time. Uh, yeah. It's yeah, definitely re- somewhat.
1: restricted. But sure. still, you still can watch Star Trek Season 3 on Blu-ray. So rev up your singing voices. Give us a call. So what else are we going to talk about? We have a lot of Star Trek birthdays and remembrances to go over tonight. We also have fan shout-outs and numbers around the globe. And, of course, what's going on with Star Trek 4? We're going to tell you. Is Wesley going to be on Star Trek Lower Decks? Could be. And CBS All Access is changing. I wonder what, too. We're going to tell you. So hang out with us. Spend the next couple of hours. We have so much to talk about hang out with us, and just enjoy some Trek talking. So without any further ado, I just want to say that, um, yeah, I think that was it. So, Eric, why don't we jump right in and go around the globe with our numbers?
4: You bet. This week in our number one slot of international listeners, we still have Australia with 3.8% of our listeners. Down just a skosh from last week, but still holding that number one spot. Also in the same spot as last week, we have the UK with 3.77% of our listeners. So if you do your math, that's only 300s behind Australia. That can't be that many listeners. So come all UK, see if you can do it. Uh, In the number three spot, we've got Ireland with 3.56% of our listeners, down just a little bit from last week. Canada still holding in there, y'all. 2.29% of our listeners come from up north, respective, uh, or excuse me, relative to where we all are. And then in our number five slot, we have our Scandinavian brothers and sisters from Norway with 2.18% of our listeners. Thank you all very much for listening. Star Trek is a global phenomenon. Trek talking is a global phenomenon. And we are so happy to have you along for the ride. Really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, Norway just kind of jumped in there They've been hanging steady They've been increasing very steadily And uh, our Canadian brothers I know the border is shut down But guess what? The show goes over the border So you guys can definitely hang out and chat with us So please, please do And this is the part of the show Where we we give individual shout-outs to listeners personally And if you'd like to have a a shout-out Head over to our Facebook page at Trek Talking and Beyond. Just spell that all out, and you'll see the Vulcan symbol, and just tell us where you're from. And every week we pick 15 lucky names, and if I pick your name, you'll see the heart symbol from Trek Talking. That means your name has been chosen, and you're going to be on the show. So without further ado, Eric, why don't you get us started off with our fan
4: shout-outs for tonight. You better believe it. Thank you so much, Alan Beaver, for listening from North Carolina, exclamation point. I love it. Uh, Hello also to Jamie Salisbury from Shropshire, England, also exclamation point. Ah, that's a great way to start this segment. Richard Taylor from Cambridgeshire, England, in the UK, of course. Hello to you. Hello to Christos Agnostito in Athens, Greece. And also hello to Kelly Bale from Auckland in New Zealand. Charles, who else is listening to us?
2: We got Charlie Rose Redstone from Backwoods, British Columbia, in Canada. Bill Malkew from Houston, or Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Anna Patton Blackley from Perth, Western Australia. Warren De La Porte from Sunbury, Western Australia. And Georgia Ott uh, Gordon from Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, who have you got, Jim?
1: Well, I'd like to say hello and thank you to Patricia O'Hagan Crosby, Bronx born and raised, but now an elderly, longtime resident in England. I'd also like to say hello and thank you to Paul Connor from Glasgow, Scotland. That's where my grandmother is from. She came over here all back in the 30s, and uh, here we are today. Terry Vanderwar from Orangeville, Ontario, Canada. I'd like to say hello and thank you to Michael Green in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And we're going to wrap it all up with sending out a huge, huge thank you and a hello to John Holbrook, Jr., Hello from Oswego, New York. Explanation, explanation. Oswego, New York, not too far from where well, maybe it is a little far, a couple hours from where I am right now in Rutland. So thank you to each and every one of you guys for listening. We love you. We appreciate it. And if you'd like to hear your name mentioned, head over to our Facebook page. Tell us where you're from, fans. And that brings us to our Star Trek birthday. <laughs> That was not a Klingon song. You know, Grumpy Wharf says that every week, but I love him anyways. So this is the part of the show where we like to uh, bring up birthdays for Star Trek people. we also remember those who are no longer with us. Usually... Eric has a ton of remembrances, and Charles and I break up the remaining birthdays ourselves, but this week, I think we have equal numbers of each, so we got quite a few remembrances and quite a few birthdays to go through, so without any further ado, Eric, why don't you take us away?
4: Sure. Uh, happy birthday to those that we're remembering this week, including Gene Dornarski, who played Ben Childress in Mud's Women*. Uh, he also played Krodak in *Mark of Gideon* from the *TOS* uh, from that ep- uh, *TOS* episode, and made his way all the way into *TNG*, playing Commander Quinteros in the uh, episode 11001001. So three different roles, uh, two different time periods, an actor uh, whose face you would absolutely recognize, particularly for Mudd's women, I think. And so happy birthday to Jean. Um, we're also remembering this week uh, John Crawfers, who played Commissioner Ferris in the TOS episode, The Galileo 7, um, which I, I like that episode quite a bit. Um, also remembering this week, Kim Hamilton, who played Sanji in the TNG episode, The Final Mission. Remembering Lawrence Dobkin, uh, who was involved in a few different ways uh, in Star Trek, but most notably directed the TOS episode, Charlie X. Um, He also played Dobkin in the TNG episode, The Mind's Eye, and he's the only person, interestingly, to actually direct uh, a TOS episode and then subsequently act on a TMG episode. So interesting little factoid there about Lawrence Dobkin. Uh, we sure do miss him. Uh, we're remembering also this week John Kowal, who played Herm Dossett in the TOS episode Muds Women. We've got a, another one there from that episode. Also remembering Morgan Woodward, uh, who played Dr. Simon Van Yelder in the TOS episode Dagger of the Mind, as well as Captain Ron Tracy in the TOS episode, The Omega Glory. And our last remembrance this week, uh, folks uh, who are no longer with us, includes Bruce Hyde, who played uh, Lieutenant Kevin Riley in the TOS episode, The Naked Time, and uh, also Conscience of the King. He he had two episodes to his credit. And uh, I think Jim might have a little treat for us here. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I I
1: actually do. Uh, Kevin Riley, can you guys tell me what he's most known for? He's most With known the for character? Take me home again, Carrie. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Right. So that, I, I thought that, it yeah. would be fun <laughs> to remember remember Bruce for the role that most awesome. people know him from. So I went on YouTube to try to find him singing that song, and I found something even better that I just I had to play for you guys in honor of Bruce. And this this is the last interview um, that he did about the character Riley before he passed away. And I was going to edit it down to just play the singing part, but it was such a good interview, and he that I just decided in honor of his birthday um, I was going to play the whole interview and not cut it up so this is Bruce High talking about playing uh, Riley on Star Trek and a little bit about how he got the role it's two minutes and thirty nine seconds long so I don't think it's that that long so this is Bruce High talking about playing Riley on Star Trek you haven't answered my question where is Mr. Sulu
0: have no fear O'Reilly's here and one Irishman is worth ten thousand no Mr. Riley her to take over this station Yes, sir. Now, that's what I like. Let the women work,
3: too.
0: Universal suffering. Report the
3: sick bay, Mr. Riley.
0: Sick bay? Exactly where I was heading.
3: Sir. One of the new series they had this year, they had two new series, Mission Impossible and Star Trek. And so they used me on two episodes of Star Trek. Actually, originally, the two episodes were two different characters but because I had appeared in the one then we did the second one they changed the name to be the same character it's just a break that this happened to be the TV show that would survive for five decades and still be around so that the roses all
0: have left your
3: cheeks I've watched them fade away and die the only scene I remembered It kind of was funny. And I can't remember, somebody asked me once in an interview, you know, there was a scene where, you know, the doors in the Enterprise slid open and then slid closed when somebody came near them. And I remember somebody, I can't remember who it was, created this little bit for me to do where, as I approached the door, I went, this is when I was, I don't know, the episode I did, everybody got kind of drunk. And so I did that thing, which was kind of fun. You know what Joe's mistake was? He wasn't born an Irishman. I actually think I sang somewhat better. I mean, the idea was I was supposed to sound bad when I sang that song on the soundtrack. And so I think I made it sound bad. Lieutenant O'Hora. You've interrupted my song. Uh, I'm
5: sorry, but there'll be no ice cream for you tonight.
6: Cut him off.
3: I wasn't a great singer, but I did sing in a Broadway musical. Um, and um, so. I like to sing. You
2: Captain,
1: at our present rate of descent, we have less than 20 minutes before we enter planet atmosphere.
3: And burn up, I know, Mr. Spock. something profound about Star Trek people are moved by the idea that out there in the future that far we came in peace you know and we didn't try to blow people up that was Steve Roddenberry's vision that you had a spaceship with people of all different races and planetary origins and that we went around to different planets and I think it was called the Prime Directive you come in peace I think this is what really inspires people. What people? What keeps keeps it such a phenomenon?
1: And uh, that's. Bruce Hyde, and I just thought that it would be a great honor to play that for him for his birthday today. What did you guys think? Did you like that soundbite? Oh, very cool nice.
2: soundbite.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I kind of like it. Yeah, it, I, it was I,
4: nice to, yeah, I mean, it was nice because I, it's interesting. I've always thought that maybe they asked him to actually sing that really nicely because I've always thought that he sounds great when he sings that song in that episode, and and to hear that he was kind of given instructions to you know, not sing so well, and then he actually knocked it out of the park anyway. <laughs> that was really interesting.
1: Yeah, I kind of liked it, and I, I hope yeah. you guys enjoyed it too. So, And we'll continue on with our birthdays. Charles, if you'll jump in here.
2: I sure will. We got Tyler Perry, the Starfleet Academy Commandant, Richard Barrett, Bar- uh, Barnett. From Star Trek 2009. Clyde Nusenu Vice Admiral Nakamura from TNG three episodes and was also somebody who auditioned for the character of Quark. Very interesting.
4: Yeah, that's an interesting character I did not know.
2: Anne Ramsey who played Ensign Clancy in TNG, The Emissary, and one very good episode, Elementary, My Dear Data. Juliet Nicholson, who played Ensign Tissou in TNG's The Arsenal of Freedom. Charles Dirkhoff, played Morla in TOS episode, Wolf in the Fold. Ed Bagley Jr. played Henry Starling in the Voyager episode, Future's End, part one and two. Terry Groner played Cam Elbrun in TNG's Tin Man. Oh, I think that was the main character. Yes, that was a very interesting episode. Mm-hmm. Tom Hardy played Sinister. John, in Nemesis. And the last one in mine, we've actually had two of these characters. One that played the character and one that played the fake Trek version. (laughs) As we have our Wesson character, Walter Koenig. Wondering where the nuclear vessels are. (laughs) Yes. He played Mr.
1: Sulu in Star Trek for those of you who are curious. Um, yeah. Oh Jim. And... Oh Jim.
0: <laughs> oh Jim. What are we gonna do with you?
1: <laughs> is Everybody
0: knows there. he's the Russian Mr. Chekhov.
1: <laughs> so I also I also have a soundbite for Walter that I wanted to play. I just went sound bite crazy. I got a new computer and I got a new program and I like I like making sound bites. So and what is Mr. Chekhov known for, mostly? For his nuclear weapon.
0: So, <laughs> here we stories. go.
1: This is this is this is uh, Russian. Uh, Mr. Chekhov's uh, Russian
5: misconceptions.
0: Maybe. There's
5: an old old saying on earth, Mr. Sulu. Pull me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. I know this saying. It was invented in Russia. Where's Apollo? He disappeared again, like the cat in that Russian story.
3: Don't you mean the English story? The Cheshire cat.
5: Cheshire? No, sir.
3: Minsk, perhaps. All right. All right. All right.
5: It makes me homesick. Just like Russia.
3: More like the Garden of Eden, Ensign.
5: Of course, Doctor. The Garden of Eden was just outside Moscow. A very nice place. It must have made Adam and
3: Eve very sad to leave. Just outside Moscow. All right. The area was first mapped by the famous Russian astronomer Ivan Burkov, almost two hundred. John Burke. Burke,
5: sir?
7: I don't think so. I'm sure it was. John Burke was the chief astronomer at the Royal Academy in Old Britain at the time. Oh, Royal
3: Academy. <laughs> oh, well, Mr. Chekhov, what do you make of this? Oh, Quattro Triticale. I've read about this, but uh, I've never seen any before. Does everybody know about this sweet but me? Well, not everyone, kept in. It's a Russian invention. Oh.
8: When are you gonna get off that milk diet, lad?
5: This is vodka. Where I come from, that's soda pop. Oh, this is a drink for a man.
7: Scotch?
3: I was invented by a little old lady from Leningrad. <laughs> Once in <laughs> Siberia, there was a meteor so great that it flattened whole forests and was felt as far Sulu, If I'd wanted a Russian history lesson,
7: I'd have brought along Mr. Chekhov.
0: <laughs>
7: Most illogical.
0: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: so, what do you guys think? Mr.
0: Chekhov
8: Russian. Uh, <laughs> uh, <well, laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I've got quite that a few. Was, that was pretty good. Like you
0: guys uh, well, <laughs> well, yeah. And I
4: what I makes me wonder is like when they were writing those episodes. I mean, obviously we were in the midst of the Cold War, and so you know it was a big deal to have a Russian on the bridge of the Enterprise as a as a as a peer, but they still kind of pulled through those ideas and they made it into comedy that you know he was being taught an alternate history to what actually happened. And As far as he's concerned, Russia invented every single thing out there.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's, it is funny. And, and our friend, our good friend, Andy Bray does a great check off and listen guys, we still have, well, quite a few more birthdays to go through. So we have to take a quick break for our listeners over at Odyssey Radio. For the rest of our fans, we're going to be right back after this very quick message from a very good friend of mine. I want to remind you guys our phone number here is 646-668-2433. Give us a call if you'd like to jump into the conversation. Maybe you have a memory to share about one of our people that we've mentioned tonight and our birthdays or remembrances. Maybe you met them at a convention. Um, it would be great to share a memory with us. Once again, our number is 646-668-2433. Give us a call. We'll be here for about another hour and a half or so. We'll be right back after this very
9: quick message. This podcast is brought to you in part by the Freakopolis Geekery, the premier upstate New York comic and game shop. Centrally located between Saratoga Springs, Falls, Ticonderoga, and Rutland, Vermont, the Geekery is a haven for pop culture and science fiction fans. For Star Trek fans, the Geekery features board games like Ascendancy, as well as awesome gaming titles like Star Trek Adventures RPG from Modiphius, Star Trek Away Team's Hero Clicks, and of course, Star Trek Attack Wing ship-to-ship tactical combat for the tabletop. The Geekery hosts casual play sessions, learn-to-play sessions, and sanctioned organized play tournaments with limited-edition prize support. You'll also find comics and trade paperbacks at Freakopolis, including Star Trek titles from IDW. Lots of issues are in stock, and special orders are no problem. Whether you visit in person by Shuttlecraft or beam in online to Freakopolis.com, you'll find yourself right at home at the Freakopolis Geekery. And we're back.
1: So. Uh, we had to break up our birthdays this week because we had so many birthdays and remembrances, and I decided to throw in some sound bites, which I think are fun. You guys like the sound bites?
4: Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I bet the yeah, listeners I like the sound bites because you know, then they, they don't have to go dig them up, you get them all in one place.
1: So, uh, we're going to continue on with our birthdays. This is the first time our birthdays were so long that they carried over in segment two, but that's okay. So I'd like to start off by saying happy birthday to Rosemary Morgan, who played Peary in the Voyage Eppert Show episode The Shoot. Mary Kay Adams, who played Grok on the DS9 episodes House of Cork and looking for Parmok in all the wrong places. I just watched that episode, uh, and I love it, love it, when,
0: when, yeah, when Warp
1: so puts on the suit and has Cork fighting with the Batlet, uh, Just <laughs> great stuff, great stuff. And I usually do the Klingons. So that's why she's, she's on mine.
4: Well, uh, is a powerhouse. I mean, she's, the, she's the template for all powerful uh, Klingon women, right?
1: Yeah. And Worf was really taken by her as well. He's having, he's eating with uh, Dax and he actually walks away from Dax because Grilk is such a powerful, strong presence. So yeah. Happy birthday to Mary Kay Adams. Uh, Roy Brock Smith who played Sarah Kolrami in the TNG episode Peak Performance, um, Laura Stepp who played Aaron Hansen in the Voyager episode Dark Frontier and also Velia in the Enterprise episode The Cogenitor. That's the episode where it takes 3 to mate. Um I don't know if you guys remember that one or not, but
0: um, Yeah, it's Henry the one but we're,
4: but we're the third we're the third member of the mating uh, trio is like a subservient to the other one so that, that, was, that was the interesting part of that episode was how
5: that played out Yeah, very
4: interesting uh,
1: Harry Darrow who played Admiral Savar in the TNG episode Conspiracy and Kolpak, Chakotay's father in the Voyager episode Tattoo I thought that was interesting um, mm-hmm. here's an interesting one Mary Crosby who played Natima Lang in the DS9 episode, Profit and Loss," but you had noticed by the name Crosby, she related to somebody very important, Bing Crosby. That's her daughter, but she's also the aunt of Denise Crosby, who played Tasha Yar, so a lot of tie-ins there, which I uh-huh. thought was interesting. What do you guys think? Do you like it when I put in the, the little facts like that, or do you just want to stick to the birthdays?
2: Yes. Oh, I like the facts. I,
1: I decided to spruce up the birthdays a little bit, putting in some facts and some sound bites, you know, just to switch things up a bit. Um, also, happy birthday to Jane Brooke, who plays Vice Admiral Katrina Cornwell on Discovery, one of my favorite admirals. Uh, one of the few admirals that's not an evil, twisted person. So happy yeah. birthday to Jane Brooke. And still don't like a how she special... Special, special shout out to a very special friend of Trek Talking, Sandy Gimple, who's listening to us right now. Happy birthday, Sandy. Um, she messaged me on Facebook and uh, said she would try to call in if she could. Um, so she's always welcome to. She played the M113 Salt Vampire in the TOS episode, The Man Trap. She also played the Talosian in the TOS episode, The Cage. She played the Queen of the Obians in Battlestar Galactica. She was Bill Mummy's stand-in on Lost in Space. She danced in 15 Elvis Presley movies and had pizza with Elvis Presley. And if you're wondering, geez, Uncle Jim, how do you know all this stuff? Eric, why don't you tell our listeners how come we know all this great stuff?
4: Uh, because we were the very, very lucky receivers of having her on our show. And we were able to talk to her about all these cool things, including that awesome Elvis story. And I do not remember which episode it was, but I bet if you go back through our archives, uh, probably a year or so, maybe. Uh,
2: yeah, it was a it year is or so, there about 1st of August, because I missed it for being at Star Trek Las Vegas. It'll be the first okay, week of okay, August so there you go. in 2019.
0: All right, yep, so go back to that to episode. This
2: is
4: because she told some unbelievable stories that were so much fun, and she was just an absolute joy to have on the show.
1: She was awesome, very friendly, very nice. You guys can find that if you go to blog talk radio backslash trek talking. You'll see all of our archive shows. You just, you just scroll down until you find Sandy Gimple. And give it a listen. She was awesome. And I'm going to wrap up our birthdays with a Klingon because I always do the Klingons. Roxanne Dawson Balana Torres from Star Trek Voyager. Um, you know, our our good friend of ours, um, Leslie Hoffman, also stunt doubled Roxanne Dawson on Star Trek Voyager. And if you'd like to hear stories about that, you can tune in to Stunt Tracks with Leslie and myself every Sunday. You can hear all about what it was like To be on Deep Space Nine, be on Voyager And Double Roxanne Dawson So believe it or not guys, that wrapped up Our birthdays, I told you that we had a lot Boy, did we ever (laughs) Yeah That's okay, that's alright That's just fine So that brings us up to Our Star Trek news Now, we we have a new soundbite. Oh my God, I can't find it. I have so many soundbites to play that I lost the news. Where did it go?
0: <laughs>
1: I do. I've got a lot of soundbites here. Um,
0: I got so many soundbites. I do have
1: surrounding. I do. I've got a bunch of them here, and I, I there it is. So uh, this is our Star Trek news. We're still working on it. Uh, Star Trek news coming to you live, live, live Whoosh. from our news desk. Whoosh. Star Trek news. <laughs>
4: We're still working on it a little bit. Um, we recall those those TLS so, opening credits. you know. I, yes.
1: <laughs> we're we're going to work on that. We're, it's a work in progress. Uh, this will be the what last time about? that I'm going to bring this up to you guys, but uh, season one <laughs> of Star Trek Discovery is coming to CBS Broadcast Network on September 24th at 10 o'clock, 9 Central. They're going to play the whole first season, and then when that wraps up, you can hopefully will subscribe to CBS all access for season three. That'll be the last time I mention that because next week is the 24th. So you guys yep. that haven't seen it, we'll get a chance to watch it also. Um, yeah. I, I, the Mandalorian season two is coming out on October 30th and uh, we're going to definitely um, be reviewing those on the show and, and, Oh, there we go. I lost Eric for a minute. I'm trying to get him back. Eric, are you here. I am here. Okay, I lost you for See when you're live, when you when you go live, this is what you get. So anyways, as I was saying, The Mandalorian season 2 will be out on October 30th and they just dropped a trailer on us. And of course, I told you I had a lot of sound bites and I went sound bite crazy. Here is the season 2 trailer for Star Wars The Mandalorian. Dun, 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 dun. Maybe. Got to hit the wrong button. No, it's
3: playing. There it goes.
0: Show me the one. Safety such destruction you must reunite it with its own kind where this you must determine the songs of eon's past tell of battles between mandalore the great and an order of sorcerers called jedi
6: You expect me to search the galaxy and deliver this creature to a race of enemy sorcerers?
0: This is
5: the way.
0: This is
1: the way. Yeah. I have spoken. Yeah. (laughs) That
4: was intense, man. That trailer was so good. It got me so stoked for season two. Now, the one thing I didn't have a chance to check, maybe Charles has had a chance to check. How many... Episodes is it? Is it uh, what were we at ten last season? Was it eight or ten? Can't remember. I think it's. I don't eight.
2: remember. I have to look it up. Eight okay. sounds right.
4: I think it was eight. Yeah, I was wondering if this season was going to be a little longer or not.
1: Yeah, I w- we will be talking about. We will be doing Star Trek Discovery and and The uh, Mandalorian wow. on the show. <laughs> They're going to run yeah. simultaneously. So we'll be covering both of those. So you guys can hang out with us. Uh, we'll be a week behind, though. We're gonna we're we're gonna change the schedule because I don't think I can come home from work and watch two of them. So we'll be a week behind, which means we can do spoilers. spoilers. Yeah, Mandalorian comes out spoil.
0: on Fridays anyway, so yeah, 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 it'll work
4: so out
0: that, great. That,
1: that we're gonna be doing. So what did you? I I enjoyed the trailer. I'm looking forward to seeing it. And um, they visit Tatooine, of course. We see some more uh, Tusken Raiders. And uh, we, we don't see uh, Gina Carlos Stanton with the black saber, which is where we saw him last. So maybe they're saving right. that for, for later. Um, but it looks very interesting. And uh, we obviously the uh, armorer survived because she's narrating the trailer. So she's not dead. Obviously she kicked the ass of all those stormtroopers that, that came in. But she was pretty badass anyways. So she's she's still around. And uh, there's some other characters, if you guys... There's a lot of characters that were shown in that trailer um, from the Star Wars Expanded Universe that I wasn't familiar with. But there's a lot of them in there. If you want to go on YouTube, you can do a search and find out who a lot of those characters were. But it's going to be interesting, and I'm looking forward to it. So Star Wars The Mandalorian Season 2 starts on October 30th. So, CBS All Access has rebranded itself as paramount plus it will be releasing in early 2021 on tuesday via cam, cbs announced that the cbs all access streaming service home for the expanding star trek television franchise will rebrand itself as paramount plus in 2021 as part of the services expansions to include content from across the company's library of broadcast news sports and entertainment properties Viacom CBS will also bring Paramount Plus to international markets with an initial debut in Australia, Latin America, and the Nordics in 2021. No mention of cost has been made at this time. Oh. So what that means is a lot of people uh, that have been complaining they haven't been able yeah. to see lower decks. And Yep.
2: Actually, I was looking at the source, and I heard it last night, and I saw it. If you are a current subscriber of CBS All Access, your cost will not change. We're going oh, to get a keep okay. our five ninety nine, nine ninety nine when it goes to Paramount if we're already members. Huh. It's pretty good. In yeah. fact. But, Something interesting happened to me today on CBS All Access. I went to go watch Lower Deck, and even though I'm still on the 5.99 plan, for some reason I didn't get commercials.
8: Well, they, yeah, they
1: probably I, upgraded you for free, like they did to me, which I didn't tell anyone about.
4: <laughs> yeah, I think that actually happened to. Now. I actually think it happened to a bunch of people, too, because I haven't had commercials all season. Uh, so I don't really know what's been going on, but I've sure been enjoying it. And hey, we don't want to complain. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, I, I, do, no, I, I was, do have some questions. I, I, I want to know what you it guys was fun think to actually... because Because yeah. if, if, if Paramount Plus goes global with this and CBS All Access becomes changes to Paramount Plus, obviously Paramount Plus, Will be carrying all the CBS All Access shows, such as Discovery, Picard, Lower Decks, that type of thing. But what is that going to do to Netflix and Amazon that have the licenses for those shows currently? Are they going to lose them, like Netflix did with all the Marvel stuff, and you're going to have to subscribe to Paramount to see those? Yeah, or are well, they going to? Do, do you think they're going to continue?
2: More than likely, as we've seen in other cases, this is actually going to go through 2020, 2021. The license is expired, and there's less of a chance that renewing renewing a lot of. Them. I think there's going to be less renewal and a lot more moving on to see moving on to Paramount.
1: Yeah, because yeah. you know. It it doesn't if they're going to have their the only reason why they have Netflix and Amazon is because TVSL access isn't fully international at this time, and yeah, if they're well, going to go fully international with Paramount Plus, it would be in their best interests to be the home yeah. of Star Trek because oh, we're yeah, going to well, talk a little bit later in I the was... show. But their goal is to have Star Trek year round, so that no matter what Thursday you turn on, Paramount Plus you're guaranteed to see a brand-new Star Trek of some type or another every Thursday all year round. And in order to I make that happen... I
2: that's why Lower Decks didn't go international because of this contract. And, yes, for that, that extent, yes, I think the contract will expire. Discovery will be the last thing that will run through, and Picard and Discovery will be on... Paramount Plus
5: International next year. And I
4: think what we're seeing here is we're seeing the networks finally catching up with all of us who cut the cord years ago and have just been living off of Netflix and Amazon Prime and that sort of stuff. And And have you also noticed that as time goes by, the number of Amazon originals, Netflix originals, that sort of stuff goes up. And so in my opinion, we're seeing a kind of, you know, reconsolidation of a lot of these things into channels, which is basically what the world we kind of came out of and like have briefly been sort of playing in this new realm. (laughs) And eventually we're going to get back down to channels again, uh, a la carte pricing for channels, essentially the good news is that when you have places like Paramount, uh, and Disney and, and the like, the amount of content that you get for your five or six bucks a month is pretty, is pretty good. So, um, you know, as long as the values there, I mean, obviously the market will bear out what the pricing scheme should look like to, to make these things supported. But I think it's just the network's finally catching up with everything and saying, okay, let's start letting all of our licenses expire on Netflix. Let's consolidate this stuff because it's the way that we'll actually make the most money in the long run.
1: This is the way.
2: And this is
0: the way. <laughs> and one
2: of the things – I, one of the features I actually like on c b s l access is I've got a casey where i i need i really want to see my one of my local c b s channel and if you go over the menu on the left and drag down to live shows, one of the live shows is your local c b s affiliate, and I can yeah, actually just, watch like my affiliate like live right there, which I haven't seen other, other networks actually do.
4: I mean, it makes sense. They know the IP address anyway, so it's easy to just offer local content based on location using yep.
1: that. And, and something else I like about CBS All Access, too, being the Star Trek channel, I really like the fact that first they have <laughs> the ready room with Will Wheat. That's really great. And that they give you access to all those panels. They did a really great Star Trek day I feel that they dropped the ball on the 50th anniversary. They, they screwed the pooch in so many ways with the 50th anniversary yeah. of Star Trek, but they made up for it because I thought Star Trek Day was I – mean, in fact, we're still talking about Star Trek today today on our show yeah. now.
8: So, it's true.
1: And it, all, of those, but... all those panels and all that great stuff that was featured on Star Trek Day, if you have CBS All Access, all you have to do is go to CBS All Access, go to TNG under Extras, go to Deep Space Nine under Extras, go to Picard under Extras, go to Lower Decks under Extras, or go to Discovery under Extras, and you will see all the panels in their entirety on CBS All Access. I think that's phenomenal to collect it all in one place plus, for the fans.
2: Plus, they gave us something that YouTube didn't get, they cut out some of the clips from the panels and put them separately. If you want to learn about grunge, there is a whole clip just based on his story that was cut.
0: Yeah,
4: but you know, the one of uh,
2: Julu's great stories, a couple of his stories, were, taken, were pulled out and added extra sound bites.
4: I think they could kick that up one more notch. If you were able to actually go to CBS all access and search ready room and get a result though, because if you're looking for, for example, for like the strange new Worlds panel, well, there's not a strange new Worlds show. So you have to know that you have to go into the discovery show to find the strange new world's panel because you can't actually search for ready room. So it's, that's the one beef that I have. I totally agree with you, Jim. I think it's amazing that they have all of that stuff available. Thank goodness. And it's all right yeah. there and edited and just easy to watch. But you got you to gotta hunt and peck a, a little bit if you want to try and make sure and cover all the content, um, you know, rather than just, like, uh, going to the Ready Room channel and, and binging.
2: <laughs> well, that, right. may, that may be what, that may be part of the advancement that Paramount Plus will put out.
4: That'd be good. They should just call it the Will Warren yeah. Show. Because honestly, he's rocking uh, it.
1: Yeah. Well, before we before we run out of time here, Charles, we have another story and I tried to get a sound bite, but believe it or not,
0: <laughs>
1: they they blocked it so I couldn't steal it. So you, you I had a nice sound bite that I was planning on playing for you right, right here. I couldn't right, steal yeah. it. They wouldn't let me rip it so there's no soundbite, so you're just going to have to wing it on this next one.
2: Star Trek, honored with a Heritage Award from the TCA. The Television Critics Association was proud to bestow the Heritage Award upon Gene Roddenberry's landmark 1966 sci-fi epic Star Trek. In recognition of the Ground Vector series, which brought us the future to life, illustrating the unique vision, its equal parts, hopefully and cautiously as explored issues such as bigotry, religion, politics, sexism, and human rights through timeless stories of love, war, intrigue, and adventure in outer space with the help of a strong cast was among the first to feature an African-American access in a significant leading role. And I believe they had um, Rod Roddenberry who accepted the award.
1: Yeah. I had I actually wanted to play the clip for you guys. Uh it, Paramount had it yep. locked. I couldn't do it. So I was going to play that clip for you right now. I couldn't. But that's okay. That's okay because you know me with the clips and I'm going to play a clip for you guys right now. Strange new world. You asked, we listened. It's happening.
4: Wow, I'm so glad I finally get to share this news with you guys.
7: Speaking just for myself, I have never received more love from a fan base than I have from the Star Trek family. Without you, this wouldn't be happening, so thank you so much.
0: I can't wait to put on that gold Starfleet uniform and deliver number one right along Captain Pike and Spock. It is a Uh. huge honor.
7: And it means even more for us to be able to announce this right now at a time when so much of the planet is hurting. The ethos of Star Trek is so curious and welcoming and unifying. And we're going to get to work on a classic Star Trek show that deals with optimism and the future.
0: Here we go. I can't wait.
7: And I guess there's only one more thing to say. Hit it. Hit it.
0: You
1: hit it, man. You hit it hard, Anson. So um, why did I play that clip? Because I found an article that I thought was interesting that I wanted to cover for you guys. It's called From Teen Dream to Silver Fox, How Anson Mount Became Star Trek's hottest captain and uh, i like the article so oh by the way i forgot to mention everything that we're talking about right now in our star trek news segment you guys can find all these articles in their entirety on our facebook page so just go to facebook go to star trek talking and beyond and you can read all these articles in their entirety instead of me just cutting them up so this article says Star Trek fans everywhere are rightly thrilled over the recently announced spin-off subtitled Star Trek New Worlds, which will see star Anson Mount return to play Captain Christopher Pike for a set of all-new adventures aboard the USS Enterprise opposite Ethan Peck's Spock and Rebecca Romaines number one that seemed primed to explore the early days of the famous starship, taking over the helm of the titular ship after its previous captain turned out to be an evil Mirror Universe clone bent on destruction and world domination from his first moments on screen mounts. Pike is mesmerizing. He excludes goodness, warmth, and sunny, hopeful charm. As if he were a recruitment poster for the ideals of Starfleet and the United Federation of Planets come to life. Captain Pike is kind, fair, and caring. He listens to his crew, values the opinions of others, and takes a hand-on approach to staff training. He's everything we want in a leader particularly in these perilous and difficult times that we live in now. Performances makes him the character to feel almost aspirational, particularly his quiet determination to, to the, be the good of others over his own future. Receive, uh, retrieving a time crystal that saves all sentient life, but dooms him to an irrevocable future of radiation disfigurement and physical agony. It's not just the right choice for a Star Trek captain, but the one that we hope we'd find the strength to make ourselves. And uh, that's paraphrased, but that is why I love this character so much. I felt that, that the, the person that wrote this article just nailed Captain Pike to a T because when I saw the character, I just, I fell in love with Captain Pike. Uh, I, I think he, I'm, don't send me hate mail. But I think that he's a better captain than Captain Kirk ever, ever, ever was. And we haven't really seen a lot of Pike yet. But, but like this article said, he's got the ideals. He's got the, the drive. He, 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 he's everything that I would want to be if I was in Starfleet. I just And I'm very excited to see what they're going to do with him. So what do you guys think?
4: Yeah, I mean, from the very first moment that we see Pike on the screen, he comes in and he automatically says, listen, I'm not your captain, and I know you don't know me, but we're going to work together, and I promise you after this is all over, I'm going to get to know you, I'm going to, like, become a friend of yours, and then he does, and, you know, he he really does, I feel like, embody a lot of the same... Um, qualities of being willing to listen to his crew and that sort of thing as like a captain Picard does, for example. And, you know, I would tend to agree with you Jim a little bit with on the captain Kirk thing. Uh, I think that that is partially because captain Kirk was a different kind of captain and partially because the series was just brand new back then. And they were trying to figure out what should a Starfleet captain be like. Remember when we watch 1960s captain Kirk these days, um, we watch it with 21st century eyes and that was not what was going on at the time. And so it's, you almost have to kind of like put your brain in the context of the time when you watch the old shows. But I agree. Ansem Mount Pike is really the, the very epitome of, um, of a caring, loving captain who really is taking care of the people around him, I think.
1: And I think you're right. I think, I think that William Shatner's, Kirk was written for a 60s audience and I think Anson Mounts Pike is written for an audience of 2020 and I think that's why he appeals to so many people so well because he is the epitome of what we are all looking for today we're all lost we're all confused there's riots there's fires there's racial tension the world is not uh, really a good place and here is Captain Pike and you know we're looking at him saying that, that, this is the, this is what we what we want from a leader and i think that's why he appeals to so many people at least that's why he appeals to me so um, anyways we're going to take a quick break we're going to hear from a good friend of mine remember the number here is 646-668-2433 and we have faith that you'll call maybe come on yeah
0: Getting from there to hear It's been a long time But your time is finally here You can feel the change In your thoughts right now Nothing's in your way And they're not gonna hold you down no more No, they're not gonna hold you down Cause we've got faith not your call We wanna hear what you have to say We've got faith in just talking today You've got faith in your fingers All you gotta do is sound out You can reach us right now We've got faith We've got faith Faith that you can hold. And we're back. Our number here is
1: 646-668-2433. And we have a caller on the line. See who we got on the line with us. If I can get the phone to answer.
3: Come on, come on, come on.
1: Hello, thank you for calling. Trek talking. What's your name and where are you calling us from tonight?
3: Hey,
8: my name is David. I'm calling from Portland. David. Hey, David. What's going on, buddy? Uh, not much. Just, you know, glad the smoker is going away. hmm
1: are you enjoying the show so far?
8: Yeah, it's pretty fun.
1: Good. We're glad you can make it. So mm-hmm. uh, segment three, we're going to start off with uh, with Eric telling a little story here. But I do have a soundbite that I want to play first. I, I love it. my
0: soundbites. <laughs> I don't a good know
1: one. if you noticed or not, but mm-hmm. I love the sound bite. <laughs> Uh Should I play the soundbite first? or or?
4: Huh? Yeah, let's lead in. Lead yeah. in with the soundbites.
1: We're going to start the soundbite. This soundbite is from the, the, they called it the the Starts with Picard panel, but I think it was a Picard TNG kind of tie-in panel, because they talked a lot about
2: it. It was the Picard TNG panel.
1: Yeah, so uh, anyways, this is Patrick Stewart and uh, Jonathan Frakes talking with Will Wheaton About himself and about his character, Wesley.
6: Um, for, For both of you to just talk a little bit about this family that we have become. I've told you, I've told all of you individually, my biological family failed me and you all stepped up and became the parents that I needed and deserved and you took on that role that you didn't need to but you did it and you helped me become the person i am today so i can be sitting here talking to you and and, and everybody else and i i just i would just love for you to talk a little bit about our family however you want to um uh because i'm the host of the show and that's important to me i think
0: that um we were in love with one another
1: And that was what characterized all our relationships. Yes, it wasn't a conventional love affair. And it was a group love affair. But it exists until this day.
7: I was going to use the same phrase. I think we are in love with each other. I know we are. And I got to say something to you, Will. We didn't know that your biological family had failed you. And you have been to us on the set all through the seven years, but as an adult, a um, such an addition to our family and such an addition in a way that sometimes we get laissez-faire, but you have always stayed honest about how important this show is. And it's we, you don't take it casually the way we may be guilty of sometimes. And that, has been great. I think I speak for all of us. That has been great for us to have you on these panels that we do. You bring a levity and a certain amount of grav- gravitas at the same time that is invaluable to us.
6: That, that means the world yeah. to me. That, that absolutely means the world to me. Um, I'm going to be reduced to tears if I keep talking. So I want to thank you both so much. I love you. I love you so much. And I, I miss being able to see you in person, but I am so grateful that we got to spend this time together today. Um, I, I, I miss you. And I really look forward to seeing both of you again soon. You're here. Here,
1: here. Thank you very much. Okay. Um, Bye guys. Love you all.
6: Gentlemen, thank you both so much for joining me here to celebrate Star Trek Day. It is always just such a blessing. Mm
1: -hmm. And actually, I think Will was
4: actually crying in that clip.
1: Um, I'm sure he was. So that leads us right into the next story.
4: Yeah, that was really something special. Uh, That interview and that closer, that was a great clip, uh, Jim, of the end of that interview. And, of course, if you do want to see that entire interview and you're a CBS All Access subscriber, you just go to the Picard Show. And if you do that, you can find it under the extras, uh, or actually, I think it's under clips uh, underneath there. But uh, so from that kind of display of love into, well, we love Will Wheaton. Wouldn't we love to see maybe a little bit more Wesley Crusher? Will Wheaton wants to bring back Wesley Crusher to lower decks. Uh, he wants to bring that character back in an animated form. Uh, Star Trek Lower Decks creator Mike McMahon is already using Q, which we've seen in the most recent trailers, and has said in the past that he'd like to have Wesley Crusher appear on the show. Wheaton, who now hosts the Star Trek after show The Ready Room, is eager to take McMahon up on that offer and thinks an animated show like Star Trek Lower Decks is the perfect format to handle Wesley's new normal. Wheaton explains how he wraps his head around where Wesley's current state of existence is in 2380 of the Star Trek's universe timeline. Quote, in my head canon, Wesley Crusher is a time Lord. Wheaton says, <laughs> comparing his Star Trek, the next generation character to the doctor's alien race in doctor who quote, in my head canon, Wesley is off with the traveler. He experienced some kind of multidimensional, higher dimensional experience and it changes him. And changed who he is and what he does. And he's a very different kind of character now that he was uh, the last time that we saw him. When it comes to the current influx of new Trek television shows, Wheaton scoffs at the idea of franchise fatigue or if fans are ready for new shows. I don't care about franchise fatigue, Wheaton says. I mean, either you like it or you don't. Either you come and participate in the storytelling or you don't. And it's a giant world with lots of people in it. And if you don't like it, God bless you. Go do something else. That's fine. And just the way it is. You're never going to be all things to all people. And if you try to end up being beige, which is boring and uninteresting, uh, that's no good. I think Star Trek is is as exciting now as maybe it has ever been. There's just so much wonderful storytelling happening. And there are such great casts bringing such great stories to life right now. It is a wonderful moment to be a Star Trek fan. And I think that the Trek talking team would probably agree very wholeheartedly with Mr. Wheaton here. We've often yeah. spoken about our current our current place in time as being the golden age of Star Trek because, man, when have we ever had so much variety, so many new things on the back burners? Um, I mean, honestly, guys, if COVID hadn't hit, we'd be already knee deep in some of these other things. So uh, we are are just living in a dream world right now. I totally agree with Will. And I would love to see Wesley. I would love to see him come back and be some kind of super being that just weaves his way into a story. Because I think these days they could really do it justice. You know, I think they bring him in in the same spirit as that interview that we just heard between um, Frakes and 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 all of them. You know, lots of love, uh, lots of openness, lots of absolute candor. <laughs> So just, just a wonderful interview and a wonderful article. You guys should go read the whole article. It's really good. I,
1: I would like to see Wesley on the cards so we can see Will Wheaton play the character and be on screen with Patrick Stewart. That, yeah. to me, uh, I just want to – you guys have heard this story before, but i got to tell you guys again. Will Wheaton is, is, is the absolute nicest Person you ever could want to meet in your life. I had him at a Star Trek convention. I was being harassed by another bigger company. Uh, they were stealing my stars. They were doing all kinds of nasty things to me as a fan con. Will Wheaton called me at my house on my phone. He got my number from Michael Dorn. He called me up. My wife answered the phone, hands me the phone, and says, It's Will Wheaton. I'm like, Yeah, Will Wheaton's going to call me. Uh, it was Will Wheaton. And uh, he said that he heard I was having a Star Trek convention and he would like to go. And I was like, are you kidding me? And he said, no, I want to stick it to the man. And he came <laughs> to my convention and he, I'll tell you what,
6: he, he went to the
1: costume it. contest. He went to the, all the after room parties. He sat in the lobby and signed autographs and posed for pictures. Now when I say pose for pictures, guys, This was way, way in the 90s before we had photo ops. They did not exist back then. So for Will Wheaton, for a Star Trek actor to take pictures with fans was unheard of in the 90s. It didn't happen. Will Wheaton sat in the hotel lobby taking pictures with people, signing autographs with people. He was the greatest. The greatest. I cannot say enough good things about Will Wheaton. I think that his character... Uh, gets a lot of flack. Whenever I put an article up, it's inevitable that you're going to hear shut up, Wesley, which I really don't like. And people just don't like him for some reason. And I'm telling you, give the guy a chance. He is absolutely awesome. Okay? So I'm going to step down off of my soapbox right now. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah. And I want to turn the the uh, show over to Charles here because we have a little a little article about Star Trek IV, and then I'm going to play another clip for you guys. Uh, take it away, Charles.
2: Yay. Hey. Oh. <laughs> I'm here. Okay. You caught me because you had me on something else over there. So.
1: Oh, that's all no, right. Uh, okay. Noah okay.
2: Hawley confirmed Star Trek Films World would feature a new crew, project currently in stasis. Holly also also confirms the film would feature a new crew of characters, so it connect to franchise history, drawing a comparison to how his Fargo television series is tied to the 1996 film of the same name. We're not doing Kirk, and we're not doing Picard. It's a start from scratch that would allow us to do what we did in Fargo,
0: where for the first
2: three hours you go, oh, it's really nothing to do with the movie. Then you find the money, so you reward the audience with things they love. Holly says his Trek project would still be alive at Paramount, but face it.
1: Yeah. So... I don't watch Fargo, so I don't know. I don't. Does anyone know what his reference is there?
4: Yeah, I mean, it just means that it's not the same characters and that sort of thing, but it fits into the same world. And so, I think what a lot of people expect when they see something that was a movie first translated to a, a television show is that they expect to see kind of a translation of characters, and that did not happen with that um, with, with that movie slash show so I think that's what he I would thought. think
2: just that's like I think just like we kind of say Lower Decks is Star Trek but doesn't have any of the known Star Trek characters in it but still in the same universe and the same scene
4: yeah I mean this, this actually this article is most interesting to me because it sort of officially disconnects Noah Hawley from Chris Pine and kind of the idea that Noah Hawley might be involved in a new Chris Pine movie. And, you know, I think it could be interesting. I mean, this kind of fits with that whole diversification of Star Trek thing where they're they're trying to branch out. They're trying to give us more stories with uh with the same or excuse me, with different uh folks and that kind of stuff. So I don't know. I think it's interesting and I like I kinda like the idea of it. Uh who knows what in stasis means though. I mean, you know, Scotty was trapped oh. in a transporter buffer for 80 years, so <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah <laughs> it could, could be a little while. <laughs> Maybe they got it. Maybe they got it in the trend, in the buffer right now. And I think there. I think I heard something about it's it kind of themed a little bit. That's a little too close to what's happening right now, and they thought it didn't quite fit in. A little too close for comfort to what's currently going on now on our planet. Hmm.
0: Yeah,
1: Yeah, and a lot of movies are in stasis right now. We know that that Strange New World is in stasis. We know Picard Season 2 is in stasis. We know that Discovery uh, Season 4 is in stasis. We have a lot of shows that that are in stasis right now until this COVID thing, until Hollywood actually reopens and allows people back to work. So uh, anyways... uh, I told you guys at the top of the hour that we still have some things to talk about as far as Star Trek Day goes, and we do. One of the panels that they had was a Star Trek Space Nine panel, and I decided to flip the, the script a little bit on Charles, which which was my fault and not his. I wanted to get the Star Trek Four thing out of the way so that we could talk about this next one. There was an interview that they did that with the DS9 cast. And one of the things that they talked about were the Ferengi and something that never dawned on me until I listened to the interview and I said, my God, you're right. And that is that the first time on a Star Trek show, we had a main character and a, and a representing a race of, of other people that was not a member of Starfleet and wasn't involved in Starfleet. And of course the Ferengi, they're not a member of Starfleet. They're an outside entity. They're an other. And it's the first time we've ever had that happen on Star Trek, really. Um, Cause Worf was an other, but he was in Starfleet. So that doesn't count because he's a Starfleet member. Um, so yeah, that was the first time. So here's, here's what, what um, Will Wheaton and Armin Shimmerman talked about as far as Quark, Representing the others on Star First Trek. Part of her arc.
6: Armin, we've been talking a little bit about, about Nana feeling othered, and you and I spoke before we started our official sort of session today about Ferengi. Um, and, and you shared an insight that has been sitting just outside of my peripheral vision since Next Generation, which is for a lot of cultures, for a lot of people, the Ferengi represent a culture or a people who have been othered. And you mentioned to me around the world, the othered culture is different, but the impulse, the emotion is still the same. Um, Were you aware of that when you were, when you were Quark?
5: Yes. So uh, just to put some flesh on the bones of what Will just said, as conventions took me around the world, other cultures, have referred to the Ferengi as, as Nana was just saying, the other. Um, The people that are looked down upon because they're part of the minority. They have a different culture. They have a different way of looking at things. One of the great things that I feel very proud of is to have represented the other. And one of, yes, the, the, perhaps from a, from a human point of view from a, that the Ferengi's morality was a little different than the humans. But at the same time, Ira and the writers were good enough to, at times, give me what uh, I'm sure Terry would call a a, a Spock speech where I, I saw things from our outside point of view and were able to tell the humans uh, how different and how not necessarily perfect they were either.
2: So, uh, it, but it, it is important
5: to depict that. And, I, and bravo to the powers that be, whether it was Michael and Rick or the writers room, that they gave us that. And, and it is a great tribute to the, to the originators of the program that they allowed an other to be part of the main group.
6: Chirac, yeah,
1: and I just have one more clip that I want to play right now that I've played before, but I think it's relevant to that. And uh, that's Jonathan Frakes here for a second.
7: 33 years ago, I auditioned seven times for the wonderful role of Commander Riker. The last few callbacks took place in Gene Roddenberry's office. Gene Roddenberry told me in those meetings that his vision of the 24th century would look like this. There would be no sexism. There would be no racism. There would be no hunger. There would be no greed. And all of the children would know how to read. And that has stuck with me. And as we are going through this period of awareness around the Black Lives Matter, popping into my head. It's a wonderful memory and I hope by sharing it with you it will help you believe that we can live a future like that.
1: So Charles, what was it about that clip and about Quark and what Armin said that attracted you to that? Why Why did you want to discuss that tonight? What?
2: Armin. I think gave us a, an interesting insight that I don't think even the DS9 documentary got into, is that, that we had a main character that was an outsider. We often talk about how there's, so, there's no money being going on being spent in the Federation. But the Ferengi you're not in the Federation. And they're they're barterers. They have their own money system. We hear about Latinum. We hear about the rules of acquisition. We get to see a group that's not like the Federation, but it's also the minority. And we talk about Michelle being the minority character in there, having a Russian in TOS. But even though we don't have a specific group that the that, that Ferengi follow to a point, it was still an to see a minority in there that was a big voice. Jim shared with me, as we talked about this one time, <clears throat> he had a sound bite, soundbite at one time of one of Quirk's speeches. And that was the exact same that came to mind he talked about his great speeches. And I could sit there and tell people the Root Beer story. To me it was one of Corp's great speeches because it's his view of how the Federation is from an outside point of view. We're so used to looking at the Federation from the inside. But we need to be able to look at the federation from the outside too, from what outsiders see, and see how unique and how the federation is set up. That just showed the great diversity that DS Nine had in there. You hear you hear him talking in there, and he doesn't say, "Oh, the human. No, you hear his character come out with a human. <laughs> you still hear that that pronunciation come out Quark's still there in him and he still has got that energy of having Quark and I think it just shows a great example of how diverse Star Trek has always been and no matter which series we get into there's some diversity in there so that it's not just the majority of the population the minorities are in there too even discovery when we're going to start getting into some of the some of, we're going to get a single sex group. We're going to have a trill that I'm not sure exactly what the definition of the trill is going to be, but we still got that variation of cultures and minorities. We're not going to sit there with a series of just some just the minor the Majority Minorities have their
1: voice also And I, also I think that's at the something end of that, that Deep clip. Space Nine Did very very well As well Charles yes. I think Deep Space Nine You know we had a Bajoran female which, which, She was always one of my favorite characters You had a Trill female Well the character was female, female
0: But the symbiote was not Yeah.
1: You know uh, you, you, Later on you had Worf you had Cardassians, you had Beringi, you had Morn, uh, you had all kinds of, of yeah. races on the station. And I think Deep Space Nine really, really did a good job at bringing the point together that the Federation isn't a homo sapiens only club. It's not just white male, yeah. but it's everything. And I think Deep well, Space and- Nine did a phenomenal job with that.
2: Now, well, I warn people so- if they want to go back and hear that interview again, have some Kleenex with you, because at, the next thing you hear when they just rock is they start talking about memories of Nog and uh, Renee oh, and uh, Renee.
1: Renee and stories? Yeah, the
2: story, the stories they have of those two characters, just wow.
1: Mm-hmm. so listen guys we have to take our final commercial break for our listeners at odyssey radio don't go away we'll be right back but while we're taking that break i want to play for you guys the clip called root beer that charles was just talking about and of course then uh, eric has a few words he'd like to say in closing and then we're going to talk about star trek lower deck so don't touch that dial
5: Might I trouble you for a glass of canard? Help yourself. It's on the house. Well, how uncharacteristically generous of you. I'm in an uncharacteristic mood. Besides, I got 80 cases of this stuff sitting in my stockroom. And the way things are going, I'll never unload another
3: bottle unless it's to you. How thoughtless of me not to consider the effects the destruction of my home world would have on your business. These must be trying times. Be brave.
5: I should have listened to my cousin, Gayla. He said to me, Quark, I got one word for you, weapons. No one ever went broke selling weapons. But did I take his advice? No. And why not? Because I'm a people person. I like interacting with my customers like you and I are doing right now. Talking to each other, getting to know one another.
0: I can see the
5: attraction for you. But when you're dealing in weapons, buyers aren't interested in casual conversation. They just want their merchandise, no questions asked. So impersonal.
2: Your charms
5: would be wasted. Exactly. So now, Gale owns his own moon. And I'm staring into the abyss. And the worst part of it is my only hope for salvation. It's the Federation. I know precisely how you feel. I want you to try something for me. Take a sip of this. What is it? A human drink. It's called root beer. Uh, I don't know. Come on. Aren't you just a little bit curious? (sighs) Ah. It's so bubbly and cloy and happy. Just like the Federation. But you know what's really frightening? If you drink enough of it, you begin to like it. It's insidious. Just like the Federation. Do You think they'll be able to save us?
1: And we're back. So that was our clip. That was our root beer clip. And um, Eric, you had a couple of comments you wanted to add?
4: Yeah, no. here I am. I, I just wanted to say <laughs> that I thought I thought that that clip was just – I was really glad we were able to actually play that because, to me, that is that really shows what I think Quark was there to do, which was to – Take all of the stuff that we considered to be normal human stuff and kind of throw it back in our face and make, it think, make, make us think twice about it, right? Because uh, as he was saying in that interview, when coming from the other character, the other quote other character, um, we have the opportunity to kind of look at ourselves through the eyes of somebody else I, it's funny because the other speech of his that I think of is the one from the Siege of AR-558, which to me is one of the best episodes of DS9 ever, where he's talking to uh, Nog about humans. And he, he warns them that despite the fact that they you know appear civilized and uh, amiable, they that they can and will become as nasty and violent as the most bloodthirsty Klingon when deprived of a comfortable environment. So... It's the truth, right? We do become that way. And I don't think that those words ring as true uh, when they come from another human being. I think it takes somebody else and an outside point of view to really make them hit home for folks. And Quark was a wonderful character for doing that. And the Ferengi were a wonderful uh, race. Introduced, remember, only in the fifth episode of TNG. Uh, That's the first time we ever saw Ferengi. uh, But then they'd really come into their own and in uh, DS9.
1: And I'm so glad we don't have those bumbling idiot Ferengi that we saw in TNG. That
0: yeah, we have totally
1: different. You know, because they were just just ridiculous. But I think Armin Shimmerman really uh, fleshed out the Ferengi. So wasn't
8: Armin Shimmerman one of those Ferengis him. in TNG? He was. He was actually yes, in that was. episode. Yes, he was.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: Well guys, I've been telling you all night That we're going to talk about Star Trek Lower Decks Episode 7 Much Ado about Boimler And guess what? It's that time already, believe it or not talk about Star Trek Lower Decks. You guys ready? Mm -hmm. Yep. Oh, yeah. Dive right into Star Trek Lower Decks. So this was the seventh episode of the season. There's three more episodes to go. And the name of this episode was Much Ado About Boimler. And uh, just to remind you guys, I know you just saw it today, but this is the trailer for the episode that we're going to talk about right now.
0: (laughs) Hi! I yeah.
9: updated. The dog. What does that even mean?
0: You know, I hand edited all six billion frames. It was really fun. <laughs> Look at you. You're just a cute little cinnamon roll. I'm trying to make this transporter go faster, but nobody's gonna help me test it. Ooh, I'll do it. Okay, cool. Oh <laughs> man, I thought I solved this. Dude, what is wrong with you? Nothing. I'm just phasing. No biggie. Disagree. It's kind of a biggie.
1: All right. So who wants to start? Who wants to start with the episode? Who wants to dive in first?
4: <laughs> well, uh, I'll David? dive in. Uh, yeah. Let's start with David. <laughs> okay. Yeah.
8: David, what did you think about yeah, this episode? David. Yeah. Uh, we've been hi. talking um, long enough, was... David. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I thought it would be good. Um, definitely better than the last episode last week, but um, it definitely had its ups and downs for me anyways. Um, I definitely like a lot of the interactions with Boimer and um, Redford that you actually see a lot more of from the other previous episodes, but to me, I don't know. I mean, uh, uh, to me, I I feel like, where are they going with it? Because with the whole dog creation now, it seems like, I know that he went to the farm and everything, but it was just, I don't know, it was kind of interesting, but at the same time, it was kind of confusing for me, too, because... Yeah, I don't know. It, <laughs> it almost felt like it didn't seem like Star Trek, but more of a sci-fi version of Star Trek to me. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Well, I'll, I will jump in and
1: continue your train of thought. I thought, I felt that the the Tendi dog story, I kind of agree with you, David. I don't, I, I really don't, I felt like that story really didn't push the, it really didn't fit in. It didn't have, it didn't add anything to the episode because we already <laughs> had Boimler who was phasing and he was going to the farm anyways. So all the stuff, Tendy and the dog really didn't push the story ahead at all because we already were going to the farm. Um, it gave us a little bit of insight into the character of Tendi and what she does in her free time where she resync with his DNA genomes and things of that nature. <laughs> but, um, The the whole dog thing Really didn't have anything to do with the story At all I felt they could have spent that time On other things uh, Myself But the farm was interesting And I've always wondered You know what happens to all these people That get stuck in between decks that, that beam down with another arm On the back of their head Or all these turn into a giant slug And all these weird things that happen on Star Trek Star Trek never deals with that. They just fly away. The next episode and everything that just happened, we can forget about it. it that was last week, and this is now. Well, now we know that there's Section 14, um, or yeah, was it Section 14? Yeah, Section 14. Yeah.
0: Section yeah. 14
1: and division, yep, division and they 14
4: take
1: is What they call it, now. Division 14, and in charge of unsolvable
4: space them, illness and space mysteries.
1: He's an Edogean from Star Trek: The Animated Series, which I thought was phenomenal. <laughs>
5: yeah. yeah. And they never gave that him a was name. Great we
4: was... got to see. Yeah, it was kind of interesting. Erickson. They never gave him a name. Oh, did they? No, oh. they didn't. But oh, it was
1: cool to see him, though. Yeah.
0: But um, Yeah.
1: So now we know that there's a planet where they take all of these um, misfits, the Island of Misfit Toys.
8: Toys. And
1: right. they put them all. In this place, and uh, I thought, you know, that's pretty cool. I thought,
8: and the other <laughs> thing,
1: when when the uh, Rhode Island or uh, Rad, Rad what was the name of the ship,
4: Radcliffe?
1: Rad, no, Rhode it was like uh, no, it
4: was like Rubino or something. It was like an EUX name. Uh,
0: when, when that
4: ship yeah. got got overrun,
1: was that? Was that the same creature we see in TNG, the, the energy creature? Because it looked an awful lot like it to me. Yeah. Same thing.
4: I, I, yeah. So I, I think it was actually a combination of creatures. So I, I did a little bit of research on this, and I, I don't think that it's a creature that technically we've seen before, but it absolutely has the energy-sucking properties of the crystalline entity and it absolutely looks like the entity from Encounter at Farpoint. So I think that they probably just took a couple of other things that we've seen before and they just mashed them up.
1: Um, this is episode seven, and it's the second California-class ship that was destroyed in seven episodes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Interesting fact. I was like, what does okay, <laughs> classic ship. Well, okay. it's animated, so they can it, I guess. Well, Maybe I'm, that's
1: why we never see one. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I thought that uh, well, the captain's going to plant top secret seeds. Um, I'm yeah. like, okay, <laughs> whatever. Um, yeah, I, I I enjoyed it, but it wasn't the strongest episode. I thought, no. you know.
4: Yeah. I mean, I think, I think for, so from my standpoint, there were definitely less kind of laugh out loud moments in this one. I felt like the last couple of episodes I've had moments where I've actually had to kind of contain myself and this one didn't do that. I think this one does have the, um, a kind of like moral play lesson to it of that communication is really key. I mean, they spend a good amount of time with the farm um, storyline, completely misunderstanding, uh, the Adosian captain and the whole list of which, by the way, they call freaks in this episode, which I do not like that term necessarily. I kind of wish they had used, I don't know, some sort of space term or something for that. But, um, so I, I I do think there's a lesson kind of buried in this, uh, episode, but it was very kind of, kind of deep in there. (laughs) Definitely a few less references. Um, it, the show is definitely still making fun of itself, I think I mean they're they're they keep bringing up kind of moments from star trek and then and then kind of making fun of them like uh the one in this one where Boimler um you know rearranges his hair and he's like does this does this make me look more promotable which I'm pretty sure comes directly <laughs> from the lower decks episode right I'm pretty sure that that character does the same thing um they throw in some, you know, the the prerequisite amount of kind of pulp cult, pop culture references. I don't know if you guys noticed or not, but, um, you know, when they were talking, uh, when uh, Mariner's talking about the captain that she totally dissed, and then that other person on the visiting captain's team said, oh, he's my hero. The name of the captain that they gave was Saul Rubichek, which sounds a lot like Saul Rubinek who of course is a famous actor that has been on star Trek and various other things, um, warehouse 13. Oh. And, you know, you would totally recognize him. He's like that, that guy with the, the beard and glasses. <laughs> so they keep, they keep throwing out those references, which are pretty cool. Um, but, and, and this one definitely had two twists that I didn't expect. Uh, you know, the fact that the farm was real was kind of a nice twist. So, okay. As, as un-Starfleet as everything looks like it's going to be, in the end, it turns out to be very Starfleet, and these people are very well taken care of, and that sort of thing. So it had enough of that kind of kitch factor for me to keep me going, but man, there was like no character development in this episode at all. We're seven episodes in out of ten episodes. I don't know anything about Tendi's family, you know, where Rutherford comes from. I mean, give those two an A story every once in a while. I mean, Mariner's great, but I guess I'm getting a little tired of stories that just focus on Mariner all the time. I, I don't know. That's where. not well, know. That's how I feel.
1: Did you notice um, that they had a reference to the thing in there a couple of times?
0: Yeah, they, First
1: of all, man. it was a dog. If, yes. if you guys saw the thing, you know that the thing turned into a dog.
8: That's then there right. was
1: the one scene where the dog with the dog's eyeballs it, pop out and it turns into it, a it, giant toothy in the, creature in the that's right out of the thing. <laughs> And then <laughs> I, I didn't make turns any of those dog, turns into a dog crawling across the ceiling just like the thing did in the thing movie. Yeah. And then of course yeah, it turns oh. into a square and just kind of bounces away. Bounce was away. Like, oh,
4: that was pretty. <laughs> that
1: was pretty cool that they threw the thing in
4: there, I thought. Yeah, they they absolutely threw in a few other references. I mean they had like a, uh, remember the one when the captain freaks out and grabs a gun and says, says, I am the rules, which is like a judge dread, you know, I am the law
0: kind of thing.
4: <laughs> I feel like they're cross-platforming. I mean, we've had Star Wars references before and a couple of other ones. In this one, they say the, the captain Amina says, let's roll out, which to me sounds just like Transformers. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I'm picking up on things that aren't there, but to me it feels like they're just up full of cultural references as much as they can.
1: Now the giant slug thing was that the thing that Janeway and Tom Paris turned into on yeah. Voyager. I yes, think so, I thought yeah. so.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: I thought that was <laughs> that was it. We think it was yeah. a human being. Yeah, that. I was,
0: <laughs> yeah, that's I was right. trying to look at all
1: the the people, the the quote freaks in the episode to figure out where, what episodes they were referenced. You know.
4: I know. There was the one with the duck bill that I couldn't figure out. I didn't know if they were trying to, like, do some kind of was Howard the Howard Duck. It, yeah, maybe.
1: Yeah, I, I, I thought it was Howard the Duck when I, myself. But.
4: I mean, that's that's where I went with it because it was kind of like a person with a duck face. And I just, I don't know, it made me think of Howard the Duck.
1: <laughs> that's exactly, that's, that's where me and Jamie went, too. We're like,
2: oh, look, it's Howard the Duck.
4: But, yeah. <laughs>
1: you know, where did you think, Charles?
2: Well, I kind of took it, I guess, the same way, a different direction. Okay, uh, Tandy's dog. Oh, gee, who would do experiments and stuff like that? Who would sit there and play with nanites? Oh, gee, I'm sorry. Wesley played with Mm
0: nanites.
2: Gee, you never know what Wesley might have come up with as science experiments. Candy doesn't exactly, because of her culture, realize what a dog is. She's got an impression of what a dog should be like. In the process, she creates an interesting creature that's not, that looks like a dog but has different other abilities. I think made her. I think we got an interesting offshoot of the idea of how Candy kind of thinks we got to see a little bit of run
0: Yeah. the
2: fact that well I'm sitting there trying to get the transporters to work faster oh that's a great idea oh I can bring them in faster but they're slightly out of phase for a short time yeah (laughs) but if you can do a mass transport out there and have them out of phase for a short amount of time you're still saving a crew. It's like, hey, that's a creative idea.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yes, it may, may may put them out of phase for a short amount of time, and you've got to work on getting that phase differential in there. But we've never seen the ability to do a real mass transport out. And he was able to. That was very interesting. It's anyway, kind of interesting how Mariner, Mariner talks about, oh, the sub captain. We've never really thought about a substitute captain before. All of a sudden, now, boom, we have one. Oh, we do. Well, we have a crazy captain. We've had Jellico, but he wasn't called really. He wasn't. He just came on board and helped out. We didn't. We've never really had. Oh, here comes this substitute teacher. We may now, have somebody let me ask you guys a question when
1: we lose the mm-hmm. Who was the guy With the purple hair And the purple lines on his face I kept staring at him thinking Why does he look familiar And I couldn't place The race that he represented Does anybody know who who he was supposed to be To me Not he kind of sure. looked like a Noxican mm. Kind of yeah, almost
8: like Noxican
0: There was a
1: Vulcan there was a Vulcan, there was a Trill, yep. there was a human, and then there was him. And well, I'm yeah. the race. Yeah, I mean, what they say.
4: Did he say look familiar to you that, guys? Well, yeah, I mean, what they say. So his name's Drew Pratchett, and what they say on um, Memory Alpha about him is that he's actually Rigelian. So. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I I don't. He didn't look familiar to me at first, and I actually had to look that up before the show. Um, So yeah, he's he's supposedly Rigelian there. And one thing, now that we're talking about names, one thing that I thought was kind of interesting was that the Vulcan. I mean, her name was Lieutenant Durga, and to me, I don't think I've ever heard a Vulcan name that didn't start with an S or a T, honestly. Like, I just thought that's what happened. I just thought all Vulcans had S and T names. So, interesting hmm. difference.
8: You're right. Yeah, right. that's Star Trek. Yeah.
4: Well, I used to think that it was like, <laughs> yeah, you know, at at first I thought it was, well, the men have S names, Serac, Spock, uh, and the women have the T names. But then there have been a few women Vulcans who have had um, – S names, and then we get people like Tuvok who have a T name, but I don't think we've ever heard a D name for a Vulcan.
8: I never really actually thought about it.
0: (laughs) No. Hmm.
4: Yeah, I never thought about it either. But
1: it's cool. I I I mean, I actually would kind of like to see more
4: of that crew because they seem really cool. I mean, there's like the, you know, the Trill and the, the Rigelian and the Vulcan. I mean, the Vulcan had some really cool lines. That were delivered very vulcany. It'd be kind of fun to see a little bit more of that substitute yeah. true.
1: Well, it's like they were going to promote. Uh, they were going to promote Mariner to the first officer, and all of a sudden, she was acting like a total idiot. And, uh, and then later on in the episode, she, well, uh, the the old Mariner came back into the fray.
8: Well, I think she was kind of doing that all on purpose until she really started to show yeah. in
2: danger. Yeah. Well, I think she was just trying to make sure that the captain, the sub-captain, didn't come in and try to take her away and putting her in a command position.
4: Yeah, I, I think it's really think interesting. To... It's a just a unique way of looking at it because we've never had a character before who was a very good Starfleet officer, right? Mariner is a very good Starfleet officer, but who has no, absolutely no interest in leading a team of people moving up in the ranks, anything like that. Like we've never had a character like that before. And honestly, I think it's a breath of fresh air because I do think that there are folks in the real world out there who choose to, you know, not become the, the leader because they like where they are. They are very good at what they do and why move? something Can I just be a really kick-ass ensign? It's like, yeah, yeah, you can be actually. <laughs> you go, girl. <laughs> yeah. You don't have to be a captain.
8: Yeah, I exactly. thought it was interesting Kyle that Taylor. those two. I thought it was interesting that those two uh, characters went to the academy together, and she made captain like at a young age, and she decided to stay an ensign. <laughs> Well, yeah, I remember we did the math last
4: week, and I think we've decided that uh, that Mariner's been in Starfleet at least something like 12 or 13 years. So uh, to make captain in that amount of time is pretty aggressive, I think. But uh, but either way, it shows that kind of disparity in how long she's been around and the choice that she has made to not be promoted. <laughs>
1: well, her mother's a captain and her father's an admiral, right? Yeah.
4: So she's naturally she wants- going to rebel against you- that.
2: But she spent her life seeing what command is
0: like. Yeah. And she doesn't want to be in that position. Yep. Yeah, she's happy totally where she
1: is. So yeah. um, before yeah. we run out of time here, let's let's give our scores for the episode on a scale of 1 to 10. We'll start off with David. Well, what would you give this episode, David, on a score of 1 to 10, with 10 being the best and, of course, 1 being the worst?
8: Oh, boy. Um, I'm going to have to give this one a probably 7.7.
1: 7.7?
4: Okay,
1: that's cool. How about you, Eric?
4: Uh, Well, I had written on my paper here before David said anything, 7.6, so I'm right there with him.
1: (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) Okay, we're pretty consistent. Charles?
2: I'd go with about an eight point four five. I'm gonna put that up like some of the other 5. episodes. I think I loved how the the action direction this one
1: went. Yeah, and I think I'll, I, I think I'm right with you guys. I think I think seven seven point seven seven point eight for me. I think. Yeah. That's about right. Solid.
4: Solid, not amazing, but yeah. solid. It was a little bit
1: okay for me. It's a cartoon animated Uh, so for me when I watch it I don't really want serious um, Star Trek that makes me think that tackles ethical and moral problems it's a cartoon I I, want to be entertained and have fun I want to laugh so that's why this particular episode I didn't give it a higher score because it didn't have the laughability factor it didn't have the things that made it made it uh, funny, it was more of a serious thing and that's not what I want from Lower Decks for me I want funny, I want different, so that's why I gave it a lower score so at any rate, before we run out of time here, I want to say thank you to David for hanging out and Trek talking with us tonight, thank you very much David
8: yeah, you're welcome, I'm glad to be here
1: and, of course, I have to say thank you to my awesome co-host. We'll start off with Eric. Thanks for hanging out with us tonight, Eric, and Trek Talking.
4: You bet. Mm-hmm. I had a blast. Thanks again, guys.
1: And, of course, Charles, thank you for hanging out and Trek Talking with us as well.
2: Oh, thank you. It's always great to be here They're talking so much Trek right now.
1: And we got a lot to cover. And I want to let you guys know this is the uh, – Trailer for next week's episode that we'll be talking about on Thursday night. Episode eight of Lower Decks. Here it is.
0: These witnesses have been brought before you to speak the truth. What's the difference between witnessing and just looking at something? All right, everybody, listen up. This mission is highly classified. Do your thing. What my thing? Uh, <laughs> I don't want to draw any attention.
2: Hey! You've drawn my attention. Send our friends a message. What, what the hell
0: are what? you doing? Send them a message. That means lasers. It means to invite them to dinner. No, it doesn't.
1: Okay, I gotta tell you guys, already <laughs> off the bat, I I can I think I'm gonna like this episode because the the things that I just mentioned are all in it humor mm-hmm. i laughed at the, i laughed at the trailer so i think this is going to yeah. be a really good one i'm looking forward to it i just want to let you guys know that we have a very special show coming up and i'm mentioning it now um giving you guys some time to mark it on your calendar our book milk episode instead of being on monday night it, we're going to have a special show for you guys on saturday october 3rd and eric why don't you tell our listeners what's so special about Saturday, October 3rd, at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, by the way.
4: Which, by the way, is 11 a.m. PST. We are super, super excited to have straight from the U.K. uh, author Una McCormick, who, of course, uh, has written two books that we have reviewed. We're we're, um, currently reading the Tilly book uh, from the Discovery uh, sorry, what's the name of that book? Again, I've lost track of that.
1: Way it's, a way, way uh, to
4: the Stars. A way to the Stars, yes, absolutely, which I think we are all having a really good time with that. And then she was also the writer on the Picard book, which uh, we reviewed in our very first episode of Book Nook. So we're pretty excited. We're going to spend most of our time with her on the Tilly book and maybe touch on the Picard book a little bit, but one way or another, it's great to have another author on the show. And I think all three of us are very excited to have that opportunity.
1: Yes, so you guys mark your calendar Saturday, October 3rd at 2 p.m. I'll be doing the show live for my deck at, at camp, so that'll be interesting. And you guys want to call 646-668-2433 and have your questions ready for Una McCormick. So that's going to be a lot of fun. I'll be on Sunday night with the one and only Leslie Hoffman on Stunt Tricks. You guys can check that out as well. And with that, we're going to wrap up the show. I want to say thank you to everybody for listening. Thank you to each and every one of you around the globe. We couldn't do the show without you guys, and we really appreciate all of your support. Head over to our Facebook page, Trek Talking and Beyond. Check out all the articles that we have there that we talked about on the show and tell us where you're from. We'd love to get you in on a next fan shout-out. I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim, telling everybody to stay safe, be good to each other, Hailing frequencies are closed. Good night, everybody.
2: Good you all. Bye. can we go prosper.
0: yes we go already?